0: I'm uh, walking upstairs to record my next podcast with Simon and I'm going slowly not just because I'm tired after binge watching normal people last night but I promised I'd come up with a title for today's recording and I haven't. Um, We're going to be looking back over the first 20 editions and giving ourselves prizes for the best bits but what would be a good name for this fake award ceremony? I was thinking of words with the echoes of the Brits, but uh, most of them aren't exactly flattering, I'm afraid. The twits, the gits, the pits, and uh, several ruder ones. Maybe the bits, as in the best bits, is the best I can manage. Hello, fellow travellers, and welcome to a special edition of the podcast You Should Have Been There, with me, Mick
1: Webb. And me, Simon Calder, and today is our 20th podcast, and therefore a good time to look back at seven extraordinary months in the world of travel. Yes, some 2020 hindsight for the You Should Have Been There award ceremony, and I agree it should be called the BITS Award. And what a momentous time since we started on the 18th of October 2019, just seven months ago. Time flies when you're locked down, Mick. It certainly does.
0: When it's not slowing down, of course. Anyway, before we start um, on the awards, I've taken you up on last week's limerick challenge, which I must say was a very tricky one, which was to find rhymes to go with the name Old Vilcabamba, uh, the last city of the Inca Empire. I've actually made three attempts. You can decide at the end which the best one is. And here's number one. The journey to Old Vilcabamba involved quite a mountainous clamber. For a bit of a kick, and to stop feeling sick, we chewed coca leaves. Quite a few grams, sir.
1: That is very good, Mick. I've tried a few of my own. I haven't got very far at all.
0: Anyway, let's start on the awards.
1: Our first award is best breakfast from one of our sadly currently impossible outside broadcasts. This was a celebration of a road that's been a common artery for the lives of both Mick and I. He was brought up within earshot while I was actually born in a house beside it and we still both live within a few minutes walk of the A23. But until Mick took me there I'd never discovered Monty's Café. In downtown Coulston. Who's the most hungriest? Oh, he's Mr. Beans. Oh, Mr. Beans. I'm Mr. Beans. Yeah. Oh, I'm Mr. Beans. I know I There you, so, yeah, you so. go. So. Right, I was right, going to say he's hungriest because he's cycled. Where have you cycled from? Uh, actually, only Coulston Town, which is a station I've never been to before. Really? Yes. Yeah. We are today in the Full Monty Cafe on an unremarkable stretch of roads on the outskirts of the South London suburb of Coolsdon, It's really a suburb of a suburb. Yet, I think this, Mick, is not just an important staging post for travellers on the A23, uh, which is the subject of today's podcast, number seven, I think, but also very dear to your heart. Indeed, just down the
0: road from the Full Monty Cafe, uh, in fact before it was even um, invented, I think it was called The Sun, another cafe in those days, I used to stand shivering in the cold waiting for the 405 or the 414 bus to take me to school. And I might say without the benefit of a splendid breakfast which
1: we've just had. Uh, yes, the, the the Mont. There is a full Monty, of course, two eggs, two bacon, two sausage, two fried slice, beans and tomatoes, a bubble and squeak, uh, chips or hash browns, a slice of toast and tea and coffee. And um, we just, I'm afraid, went for the Mont, which is just two bacon, one sausage, one egg, one fried slice. And you had beans, I had tomatoes, and that was quite enough delicious, though it was
0: It was, but the main purpose of the podcast, as you suggested, was to talk about the A23, a road that, uh, for those who don't know it, connects London with Brighton.
1: And very specifically, Westminster Bridge and the seafront at Brighton. And that's a distance of about 53 miles.
0: On the subject of which, how many young women does it take to stretch from London to Brighton?
1: Uh, that's a uh, uh, sort of question which I'm not sure I am. I, I'm gonna, uh, I think the term is take the fifth on that. Uh, well, it's 53 because a miss is as good as a mile. And that's a late entry for the lamest joke category. I should say, actually, that the A23 deserves to be up there with the Pan American Highway and the Silk Road as embracing the evolution of transport, Uh, with competing stagecoaches, not one but two airports, occasional risk in the shape of highwaymen and, these days, badly driven trucks, not to mention exotic cuisine, like Monty's Breakfast.
0: some exotic Malaysian folk music uh, being played not in Malaysia, but at the World Travel Market event in East London in November last year. Uh, it's the surprising venue for um, what I'm going to put up for the award of Best Sporting moment. Because of all the things on offer from the world of tourism, I found myself playing crazy golf in an attempt to win a golf experience, whatever that is, in Abu Dhabi.
1: This is Abu Dhabi um, in the UAE.
0: And um, I gather I can um, have a go at a game of golf here.
1: Exactly, there's a game of mini golf here, and if you hit it in three tries, then you will win a prize.
0: Can I ask what the prize might be? It might motivate me.
1: So, the prize is actually at the golf course in Abu Dhabi, um, an experience there.
0: Okay, thank you very much. Well, let's see what happens. Okay. What's the
1: puck. That's two. It's come
0: back, it's come back exactly to the oh, I see. this is. Uh... Mm, well, what do you think?
1: Well, you're very close there with almost getting it in on the last hit.
0: I almost got it out of the United Arab Emirates and into... um, (laughs) What's up next up?
1: Dubai. Dubai. (laughs) That would be the one.
0: Thank you very much. Thank you. Bye. (laughs) And you. What a surprise! I have bumped into into Simon um, here at the World Travel Market. Uh, you're a veteran of this place. Yes. Um, well, um, what well, uh,
1: six years? I think I've been to. I've missed a few. I'm glad to say by uh, actually travelling to places, which is, I must say, a better thing to do than to simply arrive in East Sixteen in this great aircraft hangar of a place where your vision of the world is completely distorted because you would um, you'd imagine from the way that the uh, stands are laid out that probably the biggest place if you imagine coming down from space landing at world travel market you would imagine that for example the united arab emirates was the biggest country in the world because they've got the biggest stand um and this just shows you The World Travel Market is all about throwing money at things. We're right next to a golf course where uh, you can um, uh, pretend you are um, in Abu Dhabi. And the whole thing is really just about pretending you're in wonderful places rather than actually being there. So I find it a little bit soul-destroying. Fred, what about you?
0: There are some fun things. I've I've, uh, had lots of free dates, that's the dates to eat um, from the Gulf states uh, which is nice, ah, and I got a very nice so,
1: so you are one of the people who go and because I, I see all these all these um, treats on desks, but I assume that there's some kind of quid pro quo, and you've got to say how lovely, I've I've always wanted to go to Azerbaijan Do you? Or do um, you just pick them up as you go past It and...
0: depends really whether anybody sees me or not. I must say uh, in Mongolia, yeah. um, I picked up a treat, and uh, no one was looking and I, well, I ate a handful of them because they were very small white treats and I wasn't really sure what they were. I thought they were nuts of some kind at first. And the flavour was absolutely mm. astonishing. I mean, I couldn't decide whether it was really nice or absolutely disgusting. And and I looked for someone to um, explain to me what, uh, what exactly it was. Uh, I think some sort of ancient... Um, buttery sort of Ooh, thing. I, I don't know. Uh, it was... Probably
1: con- c- uh, connected with horses and probably fermented, I imagine. Uh, it did, for, it did, it did taste years. quite yes. fermented. I mean, I had that, that was quite yes. good. good. <laughs> I have to go to the World Tra- Tourism Awards now. Are you um, you're going to win something? Uh, no, I'm not going to win anything. I'm going to observe who does win things. Please.
0: Simon and I went our separate ways, agreeing to meet later to swap impressions about the places we've been to in the virtual world and to compare some of the more entertaining marketing slogans we'd spotted on our travels.
1: The Eastern European area is most definitely uh, the place to go for marvellous marketing slogans which they may have paid uh, consultants a great deal of money for. I very much hope they haven't so um, Belarus always always there a plucky outsider your new birthday is here have you got any (laughs) <laughs> your your birthday what, what does that mean <laughs> well who knows it's enigmatic as is, as is belarus as a whole so maybe that's appropriate what have you what have you found um well i thought
0: um uh, azerbaijan's one was really um rather rather i thought it was quite touching actually it was um Azerbaijan give it another look. Right, which is uh, give it a second, give
1: it a second look. I think, but, and, and since most of us have not given it a first look, that's that's quite ambitious. And uh, a final shout out, I guess, for, for Vilnius, the um, uh, which um, I thought was the capital of Lithuania, but it turns out to be the G spot of Europe. Hmm. I think that won a, uh, I
0: think that won an award actually at one of the kind of. Several um, uh, sort of award ceremonies that uh, that go on at the world travel market for, um, so that I think won an award for the uh, most imaginative campaign but, um,
1: Well, I, I, I still recall the um, uh, great year I can't remember when exactly it was where you had Ecuador and Colombia uh, stand opposite each other I don't think there was any particular great geopolitical tension going on at the time but there was a great deal of scowling um, at the fact that they had both turned up, um, one from Bogotá, one from Quito, with big slogans saying um, either uh, Colombia, a, a, a land of contrast, or Ecuador, a land of contrasts And there they were facing each other.
0: I think the best and certainly the most honest tourist slogan I've ever heard um, was one from the Spanish northwestern region of Galicia, Uh, where it rains a great deal. And they came up with this slogan, Galicia, donde la lluvia es arte. Galicia, where rain is an art form.
1: And if you want to discover some more slogans, then World Travel Market 2020 will be held in early November at Excel in East London, which of course came to prominence as the original Nightingale Hospital set up to treat patients with coronavirus. And on that subject, one US state has made an early bid to corner the post-COVID-19 market with the slogan, Hawaii, the safest place in the world. A place which has a pretty good slogan already. uh, Old Vilcabamba, last city of the Inca Empire. Um, I think it's time for another limerick. Please, Mick.
0: The journey to Old Vilcabamba entailed a serious clamber. In the ruins we found, buried deep in the ground, a flute with a most mournful timbre.
1: That is a cracking limerick. Mick, thank you. And now back to the Bits Awards, this one for the best travel moment. I calculate, Mick, we've been travelling together for 23 glorious years, starting in Latin America. And on that particular trip, we experienced the joy of discovery, but of course, accompanied by the ever-present spectre of incompetence. Um, There we were at Vilcabamba, La Vieja, Old Vilcabamba, and we had a map of sorts, but it wasn't much use without a compass. Well, we've been blundering through the jungle for about an hour now, and we've managed to find our way back to the main plaza. We
0: don't appear to be able to tell our north from our south here, and uh, this... uh have been resolved had we been clever enough to bring the compass but we've left that back in the school still my machete skills are getting better and yeah, there goes another one
1: hack this out of the way now is this a rock here yes
0: yeah ah should we take a bit of stuff off this i think we should I thought this will be a piece of genuine research
1: right so it looks as though it says been shaped by man, a flat top. Ah, you yep. know. So we've almost bared the top of it. When we were in Jitkos, the, uh, the
0: guy there was explaining to us some stones I saw a bit like this were fertility symbols or phallic symbols of some kind. Yes. This one here looks uh-huh. a good <sighs> symbolic shape to me
1: certainly does, and I would say it can't possibly have got here through no, nature, no. because it just go completely against the run of the terrain.
0: So, all right, let's describe it then. What is it? It's a, sort of like
1: a... Um, it's a teardrop. Teardrop. A massive, massive teardrop. Or a heart. <laughs> or an egg. settle on an egg. Egg, good, yes. Yeah. Um, it must be four foot long and with a maximum... And it, Diameter of about three foot. Look, look there, that's, ah. oh, there's a kind of little ledge thing yeah.
0: carved out of it. This is absolutely brilliant. It is. <laughs> Even better <laughs> you've got no idea what it's for.
1: Actually, we're not alone in our ignorance of Inca innovations, what this great civilization actually did for us. No one is yet completely sure of the significance of Inca stonework. Some of them were, no doubt, religious symbols, others mirror the mountains and some seem to be simply made for the sheer delight of working in stone. I wonder if they were the Henry Moores of the mid-second millennium.
0: Who knows? Maybe all of the above. And the next award is one that um, I am curating, as it's fashionable to say, and it is for the best locked down or locked in story. And this comes from our recent podcast about school journeys. Uh, My ones were um, rather typical of a very traditional grammar school. Um, The only thing I can remember is going to St Albans to see the uh, Roman remains of Verulamium. But I was very entertained by the very different kind of school journeys that you were taken on by your very left-wing comprehensive school.
1: Yes, this was Thomas Bennett in Crawley, where they decided one day to show us the extreme effects of capitalism. They took us first to Dagenham, to the Ford factory to see people being exploited by uh, capitalism. And then they took us to the hub of capitalism, the stock exchange in the city of London. And the lesson we had to get was all those very hardworking men, as they invariably were in Ford, are being exploited by all these uh, money men um, in the stock exchange. And here you are, kids. It, you now have to fight, fight for um, a future of uh, egalitarianism. Um, And uh, I don't think anybody was particularly convinced. And I do remember the stock exchange actually giving us things like tea and biscuits, which was more than we got at Ford's. So I I put a bit of a shout out to um, on Twitter. um, And um, uh, I got this um, uh, message back from um, Lynette, who'd also been to Dagenham. God, I remember Ford's. They were very concerned us girls, aged twelve, might hear rude words from the workforce. Apparently, it was okay for the boys to hear them. Lots of black workers. Number of black pupils at our school of one thousand five hundred was two. This was nineteen sixty four, and just six years after that, Carol found herself um on Merseyside. A trip to Liverpool in nineteen seventy, including the docks. Health and safety would not have approved gangs of 13-year-olds running rampant. Then onto the ferry, two girls got stuck in the loo on board. Must have crossed the Mersey six times before anyone realised they were missing.
0: So that's two young ladies uh, locked in a lavatory to add to the uh, three old ladies. And in fact, I've got another one here, which is one travel writer. Very sorry. Morning, uh, Simon. How's Very it going? Nice to see you. Um,
1: uh, it's all been uh, quite a difficult journey. You and I have um, been across, well, kind of across the Darien Gap, but uh, getting from Waterloo to Streatham has proved rather more challenging than that, I must say. I should explain that we're in the middle of the Storm Dennis travel disruption, which I didn't realise in- extended as far as the. Um, uh, uh washing facilities on the uh on southwestern railway but no i uh left waterloo um, on time and then thought i will take my take my ease, i think is the phrase oh, um,
0: but no such then, luck uh,
1: well no and then then you find out exactly what happens when all the lights inside the loo go off and there is nothing you can do you can't open the door you can't you can try and kick the door down and that's not going to work in the end you have to do which no something which no passenger ever wants to do which is press the thing marked alarm then all the trains apparently in the um uh, Western railway earlier um in and out of the britain's busiest station waterloo are halted while a guard and i did this Major, sure i was at a station comes along and finds out what the trouble is
0: Oh No, it's, uh, a, yeah. it's an oh dear, what can the matter uh, it, be? Oh dear, Earth's what was the moment. matter? Yes. Yeah. Or, well, look, I mean, we have full yeah. facilities here in my uh, splendid home. Uh, come and come uh, and have a cup of tea uh, and uh, and a piece of toast, and then we yes. will um, go and talk about um, the uh, Central Asian uh, republics, yes, which are also I, known as the
1: stands. The, the stands, which um, are considerably easier, I can now verify, having been to uh, Kazakhstan and many other stands en route to uh, Uzbekistan, um, I can confirm that actually uh, reaching those is much easier than reaching (laughs) Balaam on a Sunday.
0: (laughs) Well, I'm taking the law into my own hands here, Simon, and I am uh, awarding the prize for best locked in, locked down story to Carol for her uh, trip to Liverpool.
1: Fair enough. Well, from inconvenient trains and boats to inaccessible planes. Time now for the currently least relevant topic award, although we didn't realise it at the time. Can you fly with a clear conscience? On another outside broadcast, we'd convened at Gatwick Airport and both discovered that we had a strong childhood connection with the place, but nothing to do with actually getting on planes.
0: I'm thrilled to be here because when I was young, we used to drive down from Causden, which is a not very exciting place, about 15 miles north of here, um, for an exciting Saturday evening out. Wow, I
1: used to come here on Saturday afternoons, uh, sorry, Sunday afternoons for uh, a treat in this very, very space-age 1958 terminal, which was uh, a thing of great excitement, and you watched the plane usually, um, because it wasn't very busy. Now, of course, it is the busiest single-runway airport in the world, and aiming rapidly towards 50 million passengers a year, which from one runway is uh, quite remarkable.
0: And, of course, was something to be boasted about uh, a few years ago. But there is a problem, um, which is if we were to actually leave this particular zone, uh, the departure area, and get on an aeroplane and fly somewhere, which, of course, is what everybody else, apart from (laughs) nearly everybody else apart from us is doing then we would be forced to confront the whole problem of co2 emissions and flying
1: uh, yes we would and uh, let's let's confront it anyway because although we're going no further than the uh, train back into uh, london um it's a cause of huge concern for lots of people and uh, the if i can just run through the maths briefly the basic idea is that um, aviation is make, uh, makes up somewhere between 2% and 5% of uh, global emissions, depending on whose numbers you believe, um, but crucially that number is growing very swiftly and there are assertions from the scientific community that the emissions at high altitude, which is of course if you're on an aircraft, the nature of your emissions um, are more damaging than at ground level
0: I should say that these very odd noises are those roller cases are they called, coming off the top of a nearby uh, escalator and the wheels getting caught in the little grooves
1: well that's better than the children being caught in the little grooves I must say (laughs)
0: There's another benefit to come out of the uh, current halting of flights, Um, not just for the good of the planet, but indeed to stop children getting caught in um, escalators.
1: Quite agree. And another silver lining from this dark clouds of lockdown is that everyone's had time to reflect, looking back at their own travel careers so far. And I have curated this category best formative travel experience especially for your continuing adventures in Spain with Gerald Bernstein.
0: I'm sorry to say that this episode which takes place in Valencia uh, did mark the end of the relationship. Um, I should say that I was a very nerdy sixth form student of Spanish and um, I was very keen to go and see a scene that was described in a set book that we'd been reading, which I don't think Gerald had actually opened, but I certainly had. Um, and uh, um, this was the functioning of the oldest independent courts in Europe, uh, and it adjudicated on um, problems and complaints arising from the irrigation of the very fertile rice growing lands around Valencia and explains why paella indeed comes from there Um, and basically it was about um, farmers complaining about their neighbours stealing their precious water. got there just as the president pronounced the court in session and this old chap with a very lined face and wearing a jacket that had seen much better days was introduced and he was the first defendant. I was really keen to actually uh, try and understand obviously what was going on and but I never did find out what this Old chap did do or didn't do was alleged to have done because at the very moment when um, the accused name was being read out, Gerald was sick. Um, This wasn't the first time Um, he'd done it once in a cattle trough in Saint Sebastian, and this time he turned round and vomited into a fountain which was next door to the open air court and uh, suddenly um, it was us rather than the defendant who was the focus of attention of all the local onlookers and uh, I can't say I've ever been so embarrassed and um, I got to say our friendship was never the same after that
1: oh no a great traveling partnership coming to a uh, sticky end well while we're looking at the legal aspects of travel surely Gerald Bernstein himself deserves a right to reply have you given him one
0: well I have actually tried to track him down um, using the internet of course and this has actually proved quite interesting even though it has taken me down a number of blind alleys and um, for example it took me to a town called Hummelstown in Pennsylvania where the um, local radio sounds something like this
1: Harrisburg, Lancaster, York, a cumulus Station, as we kick off another hour of today's hottest hits. So
0: Hummelstown, 5,000 people, founded in 1762 by German emigres called Hummel. Um, I, I looked at it on Google Street View, attractive brownstone and wooden board houses. And in the middle of Hummelstown is the Warwick Hotel, where uh, one of the dishwashers is called Gerald Bernstein, who I didn't manage to um, speak to, although the Warwick Hotel, whose motto is where good friends meet, is of course closed now because of the virus. However, it is still doing takeouts and pickups, and you will be delighted to know that you can get wings, smoked pastrami burger, and for $12, a smoked hoodoo burger. Do you know what a hoodoo what hoodoo sauce is i'd never heard of it
1: hoodoo sauce i've never heard of it i can imagine um voodoo sauce in a an age when we've all become sadly zombie travelers but what exactly is hoodoo sauce
0: <laughs> well i think there's every likelihood that it would turn you into a zombie because i looked up a recipe for it and it contained an absolutely astonishing number of uh, scorchingly hot scotch bonnet chilies
1: very good Well, a number of uh, scorchingly hot edits that you have made over the many months and you uh, undoubtedly deserve the Best Editor Award for many hours of sweat and tears with Audacity. That's the software you use rather than razor blades which explains there's no actual blood as well as sweat and tears. And you win the prize for cutting these out. Thank you. We seem to have wandered slightly beyond the... Sorry, could you say that again? Your
0: wandered sounded a bit weird. It might be my hearing, but...
1: Well, we seem to have wandered um, quite a long way... You said wandered. I swear you said wandered. Well, we've wandered from... Well, we've wandered... Well, we've... Well, we've wandered quite wandered... Well, we've meandered quite a long way from our original theme of the ideal trap
0: Just in case you think that I was getting at you unfairly, Simon. Oh, God, what's her name from Ab Fab? Oh, for... F- um, uh, 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 oh no, um, uh, she was recently in Cuba in, her, uh, oh, I was only talking about her this morning. Oh
1: dear, does Joanna Lumley ring any bells? Anyway, time for your final limerick, please.
0: In the ruins of Oldfield Cabamba, we dug up an old Inca jam jar. Though in a stone pot, spreadable it was not, as it seemed to have turned into
1: amber I hugely enjoyed that one as well, Mick. And if you think you should have been in Limerick in South West Ireland and you want to go there, well, simply squeeze into the middle seat of a flight to Dublin and you can catch CityLink bus 712X, which will take you in two and a half hours direct to Arthur's Quay in Limerick.
0: I think that's a very appropriate cue into our next week's podcast, the subject of which is travel in a time of social distancing.
1: We're covering everything from those controversial middle seats on planes to uh, breakfast etiquette in Berlin hotels. Um, So do, in the meantime, listen back to any or all of our 20 podcasts so far, and we will look forward very much indeed to bringing you number 21.
0: And until then, it's goodbye from me, Mick Webb.
1: And me, Simon Calder. Goodbye. (laughs)